Hello and welcome to the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Sean McGrath and Patrick Martin. In this special post-Selection Sunday episode, we've got Bracket Conversations, a matchup against Rick Patino to discuss, and a lot more. So in case you didn't catch it the first time around, the Huskies are the four seed in the West. They'll be playing 13-seeded Iona in the first round. That game is taking place on Friday at 4.30 p.m. You can catch it on TBS or make the trip over to Albany if you are so inclined. Uh, In the next round, the Huskies would get a matchup against the winner of VCU and St. Mary's, a 5-12 matchup. And Kansas is the one seed in their bracket. How do we feel about the Huskies being a four in the West going up against Iona to start things off? Um, A a four sounds right. They're either going to be a a low three or a high four. Um, It seems as though they are, according to the committee's S-curve, they're the uh, top four seed, which feels right. Um, I think it's just unfortunate bracketing that they ended up in the West region because they did not want to pair them with Marquette that was already in the East. Um, but other than that, it feels right. Um, the Iono matchup, I think, will be interesting. Um, and I think that the West is really tough with St. Mary's, with Kansas, but it's the way the cookie crumbles. If I told you in 2014 that UConn would be playing or no, yeah, in 2014, UConn would be playing with Dan Hurley as its head coach against Iona with Rick Pitino in Albany. Uh, I mean, that's just another example that, you know, the simulation is completely broken. And hey, but, you know, you got to live with it. Um, at first glance, I felt pretty good about it. But when you dig deeper into the analytics of certain teams, it's going to be an absolute slog to get to the Sweet 16 added bad juju that what five of the six CBS analysts, including Jay Billis of all people picked UConn in the final four, Jay Billis picked UConn to win it all. Um, Vibes and Mojo are going to be tough to come by. This is going to be a really tough test. I think to get that first win in Hurley's time. And we haven't even talked about slick Rick. Oh, I can't wait. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I can totally understand how it's it's very surprising in the abstract uh, that Rick Pitino is is coaching at Iona. But as we all know, anything can change in 15 seconds, and you might could find yourself here or there uh, or anywhere. So, um, by the way, Porcini's is a delightful restaurant in Louisville. I must say, oh, good to know. Uh, they're, they're they have a couple of mushroom dishes that are perfect. Sounds like uh, a place where you can end up leaving pretty happy with your decisions and everything that you've done. I think in terms of the bracket and it's uh, like the matchups itself being tough, um, you know, look, it's the NCAA tournament. You're going to go up against good teams. You're going up against, um, you know, mid-major conference winners. You're going up against teams that made the cut. So it's, it's, it's going to happen anyway. Um I'm seeing from, you know, like the, the stats and analytics sites, all, all like f- pretty good chances for UConn 
to make the Sweet 16. I mean, we're looking at like 80 plus percent chance uh, odds of winning the the first game. And Evan Maya has it at 57 percent for uh, 57 percent for the Sweet 16. So does TeamRankings.com. I think, um, you know, this is. it's 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 not a bad situation for UConn. UConn's a good team who we know can beat anyone, you know, provided that enough people are playing well, something that that we'll discuss later. But um I think I think in the grand scheme of things, you you're it's disappointing that uh if they make the sweet 16 or elite eight, it's gonna be not Madison Square Garden. Uh I I guess, you know, if you want to be nitpicky, you can you can think about maybe the argument for UConn to be a three or, or for UConn to just be, you know, get something better than, than where exactly it landed. But this is a solid, this is a solid spot. And the stage is set for UConn to get over the very important hump of getting a win in the NCAA tournament. What's wrong with fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada? Like it'll, it'll oh. be a time. That's for sure. I'm not a hater. It's just, you know, easier to get to and all that. I'm just a, you know, creature of convenience over here. I mean, you look at the other three seeds that you had out there, Baylor, uh, Baylor and Kansas state and the East and the South respectively, the big 12 is just an absolute, you know, it is a throwback to those big East conferences and like the, or, you know, late two thousands. And then Xavier was the other three seed in the East and, you know, they made it to the big East final and you can, you can, can't say that. So yeah. Does it stink? Was it a little bit of a rub of the green, but you know, it is what it is at this point. It's if you're complaining about that, it's one of those, like you got to go outside, touch some grass because at the, you know, this is a team that has, like you said, can beat anybody. So it really shouldn't matter where they are. So, you know, I think the other thing is we know that Rick Pitino, in addition to being a shady character, uh, is is a good basketball coach. Uh, and that's probably if we're talking about what we really don't like. Uh, that's that's the big concern with this matchup. Uh, of course, there are uh, concerns. We don't know how legitimate they may be about uh, UConn's coaching abilities, but but we certainly know that there's a very good and strong uh, coaching staff on the other side of the bench, not just with Rick Pitino, but former UConn Husky Talik Brown, also uh, part of the staff over there. I think that's you know that's part of the equation, uh, and and Iona has been a good team in the MAC. Uh, so in terms of the matchup itself on the court, how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel this looks for the Huskies? Um, Iona is not your average Mac team. Um, they are, they have a seven footer. They have, uh, someone who plays the four who can equal Adama Sonogo in size and Nelly Jr. Joseph. Um, they're ranked 74 in Ken Palm. I can't, I can't imagine there are too many other peers that are that high. They have nation's third longest winning streak and they force a lot of turnovers. Um, they're 44. 44th in turnover percentage. They turn the ball over. They force opponents to turn the ball over in 21.0% of their possessions. We all know how UConn loves to cough off the ball at points. So that's that size and ability on defense to cause havoc. That is a great indicator of a team that can force an upset. Um, So I don't love it, 
but I think that UConn has shooters who can shoot. And I think that they're probably a little bit deeper than Iona is, which should uh, help them in trying to come out with a win. Yeah. I mean, what, what is Patino's calling card all the way back to the Kentucky teams? It's, it's the ball pressure. It's the pressing into a matchup two, three zone. Those are things that you can't, you know, Tristan Newton has been pretty good. I think on the whole for you, for the Huskies, but he doesn't have that burst to kind of separate and, you know, you know, get away from, from that kind of pressure. Uh, so if he's not drawing fouls, then he's getting hounded. And Hassan Diara has been kind of hit or miss as far as his ball handling is concerned. So it's going to come down a lot, I think, to Andre Jackson, who this is his homecoming, you know, up in Albany to make up for that dud of a, you know, foul played game against Marquette to hand, to shoulder the ball handling, to find the open man. And you have to assume that there will be a regression to the mean for Jordan Hawkins, who was just absolutely hounded by Omax Prosper against Marquette. Um, I don't see Iona bringing someone out that could really check him that same way. Um, and that's going to be it. So if, if UConn's guards play to what they played prior to the Marquette game, it will be tight. It will be stressful, but they should take care of it. Um, I am worried about how UConn's bigs handle uh, Iona's just because... I mean, the Nellie Jr. Joseph was a Wichita State commit. It, this was when Wichita State was good. Um, before, you know, Slick Rick snuck in and, and, and flipped it. Uh, they have the seven-footer uh, side. No, not Silas Sunday. Um, can't find the name. Hold on one second. Oh, Osborne Shima. And so that is... That's going to be tough because, you know, we saw how well Sonogo played against Marquette, but that was Shaka Smart essentially giving them that with the size advantage. So this is going to, the script's going to flip back to, can UConn's guards handle the pressure? Can they hit open shots? And then can that open things up for the rest of the team to hopefully, you know, take what's given them? Yeah. I mean, looking at Iona's resume here, I mean, they come into this game having won 14 straight. They're, uh, they're an experienced team. They've got, uh, uh, two juniors who lead the way, some se- a senior who plays a pretty key role. Um, and I think they've got uh, a, a lot of experience, which which also is something you want to keep an eye on. Uh, the Huskies still are maybe not the the highest executing team late in late game situations. I think that was something that if if we were to criticize something about the performance against Marquette, which I think, Overall was a solid performance from the Huskies, just came up slightly short against a really good team, but uh, really could have could have looked could have used a few better looks toward the end there. And that's something where uh, we remain concerned maybe about UConn, uh, maybe its ability to have someone they look to to really take control late in games, late in situations. I mean, I think there's a working theory that Jordan Hawkins is that man, but does he have a lot of really experience taking that, you know, that shot? And then, you know, something we discussed in the last podcast and previous ones about UConn having enough ball handling and playmaking ability really just in those kind of pressure moments. Do we remain 
concerned about those things for Iona or or just, you know, in terms of the ceiling going into the NCAA tournament? Um, I think it's going to be really interesting against Iona. The ball handling and ball movement in particular, I think is going to be very important. Um, team granted they're playing the they're playing low major schools they haven't played a school in the top 200 in Ken Palm since Christmas Day except for Quinnipiac which is at 196 um but they allow they only allow a 29.2 percent uh from beyond the arc if you uh that's kind of UConn's thing is they shoot threes and they get hot and they pull away and they can do that in transition but if I uh if Iona is face guarding and doing well at preventing team them from getting open shots. It could stay close for a lot longer than they might like. This is a game really suited for RJ Cole of last year, where you can maybe throw the ball to him, make the right pass, make the right play, get to the paint. Um, no knock against Tristan Newton, but that kind of playmaking when an offensive set runs down, we saw the end up. We all remember the last two minutes of the Marquette game. We all remember how UConn played on the road against Creighton, where they had all these chances to execute and couldn't really do it. Um, the Huskies struggle, I think, you know, to come back into, into a game. Uh, they held off, you know, a run from Providence in a, in a close situation, um, so that I think will hopefully be a benefit of them where you're not going to be coming from behind against Iona. Think about back to New Mexico state last year where they had to come, you know, have a frantic comeback. Um, I mean, you look at the loss to Marquette and think they turned the ball over nine times. You know, it, it wasn't the turnovers that doomed them. It was Jordan Hawkins and Tristan Newton going four for 21. And if, there's a just a slight regression to the mean for both of them. You have to assume that again, it will be tight, it will be close. Um, but there's but there's not going to be some big upset. You look and see Iona is second in the country in Evan Maya's kill shots per game at 0.91. But again, that's the MAC. That's the Metro Atlantic Conference, you know, American Conference. Um, UConn is a little further down at 0.76. Uh, so it will be who can go on one of those runs first and kind of put this game to a point where their defenses can lock things in and prevent another run. Ultimately, end of the day, it's really just got to get this win here. Dan Hurley, UConn Huskies, third NCAA tournament in a row, uh, increasingly getting, uh, you know, worse seated opponents in the first round. You gotta, you, you gotta get this first win, um, Mentioned some of the uh, projections in terms of Sweet 16 earlier. Uh, Evan Maya has it at 22% chances for the final four for UConn and 8.6% chance of winning it all. Uh, Team rankings was around the same 17% chance of the final four. So we're going to put you guys on the spot here. What is your prediction for UConn's final NCAA tournament result and ending. I think it's somewhere in the second weekend. Um, St. Mary's or VCU will be a very difficult opponent in the, uh, in the second round. Should they advance that far? Um, St. Mary's is obviously number 11 in Ken Palm and VCU has played very well as of late running through the Atlantic 10. Um, 
but I think that the region is just too strong. You're looking at um, you're looking at Kansas in the Sweet 16, or um, or Arkansas or Illinois, each of which are strong power conference teams in their own right. And if you get through that, you're looking at a UCLA team that, despite missing one of its best players, is still UCLA or a Gonzaga squad, and they'll have the geographic advantage, either one. So I think that somewhere in the second weekend feels right. They definitely could break through and make the Final Four, but I think the region is just too much of a slog to predict and count on something like that happening. Yeah, I mean, I said this in the beginning. I'm not sure why people are glossing over Kansas, Arkansas, Illinois when when the experts are picking UConn in the Final Four because – you know, they'll have to get through all this drama against Iona. You know, VCU and St. Mary's are like specific types of matchups that are very difficult that even if UConn, the better team, gets through them, it's just a it's a, it's a grind. It's a slog. And then you have to face, you know, Kansas that has, you know, has the blue, buds, blue blood status. They're playing for Bill Self's health. Um the only thing that makes me think that they can get by Kansas is that like, you know, they, they won last year. There's not that kind of drive and, you know, how hard is it to repeat two years? Maybe they can be the team that catches them. But again, they, this is a Kansas team that has, you know, rose to the top of a absolutely loaded big 12. So I see them, you know, having a battle, a classic against Kansas, but ultimately falling short um, in the sweet 16, which when we started the season, before the 14 to no run is where we were, you know, shrug our shoulders and say, yeah, we'll take that. Um, would it be disappointing? Absolutely. Given kind of the potential that we saw throughout the season. Uh, yes. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, two wins in Hurley's, uh, you know, third year going to the NCAA tournament, monster recruiting class coming in, but maybe some key players from this team coming back that sets up nicely to think what seven seed, five seed, four seed, then you know you, you take a shot at that, maybe one or two seed next year. There's nothing wrong with losing to Kansas. They have the most quad one wins of all time in a season. There's nothing, you know, if you're that a four seed, yeah, it's can confirm good. Um, but that if they're a four seed, that's where they're, you know, seeding wise, that's where they're expected to fall out. There's nothing wrong with losing to such an incredible team with something to play for and Bill self, you know, you see things like that really drive a team through and it seems as though Kansas has that mental toughness. Yeah. I mean, I, I, unfortunately I agree with all of you guys, which is unfortunate only because uh, you know, all three people on a podcast shouldn't agree. Um, But I I think that's, I think that's right. I, I mean, despite concerns that may exist around the Iona matchup, you have to feel pretty good about that. Rick Pitino seems also to very much uh, and very openly have one foot out the door. Uh, So that may also be a factor working in UConn's favor. We saw how that played out for Providence College (laughs) uh, lately, who may have their own coach leaving soon. But uh, and then I, I, yeah, I do like UConn's chances against St. Mary's or VCU, um, though it would be a a very tough game. Uh, VCU in particular, uh, is hot and and has a fan base that provides a lot of support and travels and is crazy. So 
that would be, uh, you know, either of those teams would really be a tough matchup for UConn, but I do like, I do like the sweet 16 here. And that's where I think uh, UConn will bow out. That's, that's going to be my prediction too. Oh, what a finish! Buy a new home beats grow my business at the buzzer! Webster Bank is offering you a chance to win a trip for two to the Men's College Hoops Finals in Houston. Just pick your biggest goals for 2023 and enter today at WebsterGoals.com. No purchase necessary. It's 325-23. Must be a legal resident of Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, or New York, and at least 18. For rules and details, visit WebsterGoals.com. Webster Bank, N.A., member FDIC, equal housing lender. All of this being said, uh, we, we've kind of touched on this earlier. The Huskies have yet to win an NCAA tournament game in the Dan Hurley era. Some hashtag narratives are developing. Uh, some of them are merging with other narratives to create uh, super mega narratives that that maybe imply that uh, someone is maybe not doing a good job or as the leader of the program, as the head coach of the UConn Huskies. I think some things are maybe worth considering and discussing, uh, but uh, others are maybe matters of of sample size and whatnot. With all of that in mind, let's maybe break down the the Huskies' performance in the Big East tournament a little bit. They opened it up with a quarterfinal matchup against Providence on Thursday. They were pretty much in control from the start, took a decent-sized lead into the into the break, had it over 20 points in the second half. Providence did come back and make it a little bit tighter, but the Huskies held on for the win. Friday night, the Huskies lose to Marquette. It was a tight battle throughout the first half. Uh, Early in the second half, Marquette pulls away a little bit. UConn fights admirably, tying it up twice across the rest of the game, but does not end up getting the lead back and loses by two. Some people are saying after these games that uh, maybe UConn is not, uh, doesn't show up when it counts. Maybe the coaching staff is prone to being outcoached in certain situations or in certain, uh, you know, against uh, in in elimination uh, conditions. And maybe this team also just doesn't have it, uh, you know, capital I-T, it. Uh, thoughts and reflections following the Huskies' two performances in the Big East tournament, guys. I mean, I, I watched earlier today Purdue, you know, the, the number one seed, Um just fumble away a lead in the same way that UConn did in a, in a, in a shorter time span, uh, you know, turning the ball over. It, it, this is, these are conference tournaments we're talking about here. It's got Marvin Lewis had a quote one time. I'm, I'm quoting Marvin Lewis of the Cincinnati Bengals of all things right now. That's how down bad I am, but you know, hey, he, he was a good coach. He said something along the lines one time in a press conference I was in of it's like, you know, the other team is trying to win too. And that simple sentence needs to kind of be reminded and especially in a conference tournament, you know, when you're up 26 points with was it 10 minutes left, there's going to be a frenetic comeback and, you know, mistakes happen. We, we saw all throughout conference tournaments this year uh, in the past weekend, how, you know, teams kind of make one last final charge. And so 
I don't really put a lot of stock into like, oh, UConn gave up a 26 to five run. Like, oh, they, they fumbled it away or they, they, they got sloppy. It, that's just the nature of the game. And when it did get close, at least for one game, Tristan Newton was, or I'm, yeah, I mean, Tristan Newton was out, out, outstanding. I mean, he had the assist to Sonogo on the roll. Uh, he had the, he had two free throws. He had the offensive rebound. I mean, he was everywhere. And so did he have a rough game against Marquette? Yes. Um, but on the whole, between him and Andre Jackson, I am okay with the ball handling responsibilities. I just think Marquette plays a certain style that is absolutely just a nightmare for UConn as far as the ball pressure. And, you know, fast forward to the Marquette game, they had Hurley on the huddle in the first five minutes of the game saying, relax, they're not going to be able to keep this up the whole game. That insane ball pressure that was just running people off screens and completely hounding everybody. And they did. And I think a lot of the narrative was, well, they, you know, they spent all their gas, you know, they burnt out against UConn. They're going to struggle against Xavier. They did it again against Xavier. And so watching Marquette just absolutely dismantle a a really good Xavier team. I, I know they're, they're relatively fraudulent, but they're still a really good Xavier team. And I mean, they are a three seed for a reason and Marquette absolutely just housed them. That made me feel better about like, you know what? They just ran into a Marquette buzzsaw. There's still a team that's playing very good basketball at the right time. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to look too much into how they played against Marquette because on the whole, and you look at the last 10 games, they are still trending in back to the right direction. Yeah, I don't think they played all that poorly against Marquette. Sometimes the shots are just going to rim out. They're humans. Like, it's going to happen every so often. Hawkins is going to have a bad night. He, Him and Calcaterra each had some very good looks after they retied it at 60. I think the problem is more that um, they, you know, they scored eight points in nine and a half minutes. Like, that's not tremendous. But stretches like that are going to happen. Um and it, it happened against a very good team, and they still had a chance to win up until the final possession. Um, I think that it was probably wise to not take the timeout with how they had struggled with getting the ball in, and they had Marquette just as helter-skelter as they were. Uh, Newton had Sonogo. He just didn't see him. They're, they're college kids. It happens. They're not professionals. Um, but I think it was Rob Doster that was saying it, like, Hawkins and Calcaterra had really good looks in the second half to retake the lead. They got the stops they needed. The shots just didn't fall. That that kind of stuff happens. You can live with that because it's about execution rather than a bad game plan, a bad, you know, bad effort, whatever. Sometimes the shots just don't fall. And it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the timeout was uh, the, the the non-timeout in this case with 10 seconds left. Sonogo gets a rebound. Huskies are down two. He sends it up the court. I, I agree. I think that was a good play. Uh, the, the defense is, you know, uh, reacting to a rebound. They're all over the court. They're scattered. They're, they're trying to figure it out. UConn has a chance to get a good look in transition. Uh, you know, it could have happened, and it, it, it just didn't. Um, I, I think you know, to criticize that exact moment and then have it be again, like, oh, that's why they lost that. That thing right there is is why they lost is absurd. 
and and you know what what's really interesting was looking at the game by game uh overall efficiency UConn's performance was actually better offensively and defensively in terms of efficiency uh if we're just talking about the four factors so um it was a good performance against Marquette it's it's uh, you know, the parts that maybe people are forgetting is that Marquette itself is a very good team. It's ranked number six in the country. You know, don't act like this is like DePaul goosing UConn out of nowhere. Um, there was no uh, nothing exceptional about Marquette's performance. And by that, I mean, it was not like an outlier performance from them in any way. They didn't have some amazing shooting night. Uh, they did play pretty good defense. But, oh, hey, guess what? It's the Big East tournament. They're playing for something. It's the Big East Tournament semifinals. It's Friday night in Madison Square Garden. They're 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 playing for something. Uh, even Providence, like you said, I mean, even they, they fall behind. They're playing for their season after put after playing their way onto the bubble at the end of the year. They did end up making uh, making the field, but both of these teams were playing for a lot, and UConn did really really well against them. I think. Uh, it, it's it's another uh, you know like Patrick said this is it's it's just a touch grass situation because uh, if if you're upset about these things you have to you have to look back they played they made two good performances they lost by two points one more three goes in two more free throws go in you know we're talking about a tied game or a UConn win potentially um, sometimes it just doesn't happen Hawkins had five points. How many times, how many more times do we think that's going to happen? Uh, you know, how many more times is UConn going to face a team as good as Marquette? Um, I think, I think we learned uh, also, as you mentioned earlier, that Marquette is a very good team that's capable of going just as deep as anyone this year. Uh, so uh, while the Huskies remain uh, without another trophy or without having made too much noise in March, their three semifinal losses have been by eight points overall. So also then criticism on the coaching staff about winning when it counts. It's just, it's just really unwarranted for, for all of those reasons. Uh, It's, it's just a, it's a hard argument to make. I love to just cherry pick eight games over three years and decide that that means absolutely everything. I mean, I, I, I think the way the Big East tournament ended with the the two minute stretch of two open looks from Calcaterra, um, the the nothing burger on the last shot. It, it was such an empty feeling inside of like, oh shit, that it happened so fast. And you you kind of always assume that you kind of would have a better look at it, uh, regardless of what people say about their you know their post game execution, which I don't I don't give two shits about, um, but. I really wasn't sure how I would feel about the whole thing until I saw Marquette play Xavier. And I don't think it, it, you know, people forget that they blew him out. It wasn't even close. There was no frantic Xavier comeback. I think they maybe cut it to nine. Um, So they slept, walked through St. John's and snuck by. They woke up right after that and demolished a three seed and a four seed back to back in raucous home environments. Marquette is number six for a reason. Um, And more importantly, their style is not something that you will particularly see at that level. Unfortunately, the ball pressure, you're going to get a lot of that with VCU and Iona uh, and potentially maybe Arkansas. 
but that style at that level is something you really won't see until you're talking Elite Eight, Final Four. Now, there are still other ways UConn's weaknesses can get exposed, which I think is why we're all still a little, you know, we're excited, but we're still a little on edge in, you know, heading into the, you know, the, the first round. Uh, yeah, I think I think the big issue is still just not having being over that hump of winning an NCAA tournament game. But again, like I said earlier, that this has got to be it. You know, if we're talking about setting baseline expectations, you hate to say like must win and all that stuff. Uh, this is absolutely that for the Huskies on Friday, 4.30 p.m. in Albany. You you have got to win that game. And, um, you know, I would go as far to say even in the next game, you know, you got to you got to show up and not not get clowned kind of the way they did in the in the Maryland and New Mexico State games. I think, you know, it's not also just about the, the win and the loss, as we are discussing with nuance about the Marquette game. Uh, the same is true for the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, it's it's what is disappointing about those performances is those were not close losses. Those were two games where UConn was pretty much just like outclassed and like losing from wire to wire, basically. Uh, so I think those are the the kinds of performances we want to avoid. Uh, and, and it's just fear. You know, it's just it's hard to it's hard to envision something. It's hard to be confident about something happening when you have not seen it happen before. Uh, and it's easy to say that something could happen if you've seen it happen before. That's why UNC was ranked number one before this season started. Look at them now. Things change. So I think, uh, you know, we, we have, I think, reason to be more confident than we, than we probably are acting right now, even going into an Iona game, even going into a second round matchup. Um, because obviously it's, it's, not, it's not going to be an easy road by any stretch and you never want to get Rick Patino in the first round or in an Italian restaurant, I, I think. But uh, in UConn's case, they'll be getting him in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, not the most ideal, but again, you you got you to gotta do something tough to make noise in March. So that's what it is. You know, God, I mean, he's such a scumbag. He's such a degen, but he's so freaking good as a coach. He's the type, he's the old throwback coach. I, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. And you all can mute me if you want, but like, he's like a Belichick style where he will pick out a team's weak, you know, strength and isolate it. Um, now, and you know, with Talik Brown doing the scouting, in fact, um, the most recent game, I think the, the, the win before Marist or at some point in the tournament, Patino shouted out to Leek Brown for saying he must have spent 24 hours scouting whoever they were playing. I'm pretty sure it was Marist. Well, you know, he's going to do that. You know, we know how good to Leek Brown is around basketball. I, we all remember the George Tech game. Um, so there is going to be some kind of wrinkle. You know, they're going to take Andre Jackson out. They're going to you know, double Hawkins off screen, you know, something is going to happen and you have to hope that the overall balance of this team with, let's see here. What is, what is the final Ken Palm six and Ken Palm 18 and six and Ken Palm offense, 18 in defense, you know, that, that is a balance that you have to hope that, you know, if the first couple of things are taken away, maybe Donovan Klingon steps up, 
Um, I don't have Dan Madigan here with me to shout out the Naheem Aween fan club, but he was on fire on the bench with 10 points. You have to hope that with a team you know, like Iona, you know, they're they're not a you know, they're not a Mac team, as Sean said, but they're not a Marquette. So if Jordan Hawkins has another off night, Adama Snogo steps up, Donovan Klingon steps up, uh Tristan Newton puts up twenty or twenty-five. There's enough balance on this team to get by. And then you hope that, you know, VCU or, or St. Mary's or something like that is something a little more achievable without a, you know, legendary coach slash piece of shit on the sideline yeah i mean you know I, if, again talking about the marquette game there were many encouraging elements including how the how the bench played met multiple players on the bench as you mentioned i think um particularly we've seen uh guys like calcaterra and aline have better games against mid-major uh type of opponents and so i think maybe that bodes well for them here i i think the opportunity for for Klingon to see some more minutes is uh, an enticing one for the postseason. We know he's got really strong uh, per minute numbers. What could be if he gets a little bit more usage? Uh, what kind of impact could that have for UConn uh, defensively as well? Do you think we may see more Klingon? Do you think there's a case for it? And what about the vaunted Sonogo plus Klingon lineup that we've seen only a little bit of so far? I think that one's going to have, that one might happen a little bit between the, the size that Iona has is fairly unique for a low major. And I don't know if Andrew Jackson is going to be able to guard the four with any kind of consistent, with any kind of consistency. Cause Nelly Jr. Dross is three inches taller and like 30 pounds heavier. That's, that's a lot of size to give up. Um, so we might see them a little bit, especially if um especially if Iona likes to play them both likes to play them both together. I I would love it. I would be absolutely for it. I just don't think there's been enough of a sample size. And it Hurley doesn't strike me as someone who would kind of like put those cards down on the table at, at an NCAA tournament. I don't think he has that kind of like, almost like, you know, Oh, here's this ace in the hole. I'm going to, I'm going to show um, everything Sean says is correct. I would love to see it because Andre Jackson against that type of player is very scary. Um, I would not be surprised to see some zone though, um, because Iona is not a great three point shooting team. Um, and I could see, you know, a little bit of the one, three, one that they, that UConn threw out there um, or some two, you know, some press into a two, three, make this attract me. Okay. Ricky P you want to press. Okay. We'll press you too. pressing teams. Don't like to be pressed. So make it into attract me and trust that you've got Andre Jackson and there's no Andre Jackson on that, on that team. So in a way it shouldn't be like, Oh, we're going to count, you know, we're going to use our strength, you know, match, match them, press them, you know, run them up and down the court um, because I think there's more, you know, I think UConn's kill shots will be more prevalent against a team like Iona. And now going into the second round matchup, potentially that's a different story, but at least against Iona, run them up and down the court. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely, when I said, you know, Klingon especially and the, and the Klingon-Sonogo, I'm definitely thinking more in the future uh, as opposed to just Iona. Although I think 
uh, it could be part of the solution and maybe maybe a zone with those guys in it is part of the solution who knows but um i think uh i i am hoping for that for for the reason of what again what i said earlier about clean's efficiency uh but also I, I think we've still seen at times dan hurley trot out kind of a uh let's let these guys figure it out kind of lineup um the kind where it's like Andre Jackson, Alex Caraban, Joey Calcaterra, Klingon, and, you know, Aline or something like that. And it's like, I'm going to just insist that somebody make some plays here to keep us in this game. And I think if there's just a couple of waves of not doing that, uh, there's also some upside for UConn. And I think that is something that, um, you know, is is a potential adjustment to make for the future. I, I have joked in the past in games like the Georgetown game, it, it, it literally has been like uh, some lineups out there to make the games look closer maybe than they actually are or need to be uh, at times. Uh, let's say you got a, a Diara in there instead of a lean, let's say. So I think there's an opportunity to tighten up the rotation, play Klingon a little bit more, maybe get Sonogo and Klingon in there. Um, but I am, I am definitely talking about the later rounds, but I'm just saying that because, you know, again, this is a good UConn team that has shown a lot, but just to kind of highlight the opportunity that there, there perhaps is, is some upside. Every year, you know, you have people picking the brackets and everything of like, Oh, since, you know, 1990, no team has, you know, no, no team hasn't done this and everything. UConn shows up on a lot of those ridiculously cherry picked tweets I'm not saying you believe those at all because they're ridiculous because they'll pick something of like, oh, no team that was, you know, top 12 in the country in November, uh, you know, has never not cut down the nets. However, you can't deny of like their metrics are so balanced and people are picking teams like Houston, UConn and Purdue as saying like these are the teams that pass all of the number tests and we've seen enough of the eye test in the last couple of weeks to know that like there is a higher ceiling than we think. It's just such a tougher schedule. I think that we were preparing for. Um, so it will be fascinating to see this weekend because if they blow the doors off Iona and skate by St. Mary's and VCU, that does, it's, this is very obvious, but this changes the the dynamic of how we're going to view the rest of the tournament. Um, I am predicting a monumental tournament from Andre Jackson. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, the homecoming there that weekend plus playing what 14 minutes against Marquette. I think it's Hurley is going to have to calm him down. I think at some point I'm betting on technical as well, but he's going to be the straw that stirs the drink the entire weekend and i think that takes him through to the point where then you say okay now let's see if our talent can match up with some someone like kansas and someone like gonzaga and someone like ucla that's gonna do it for us thank you all for listening